welcome to CXO, a magical podcast to help you serve better and concoct experiences that are superlative in nature. I'm your host, Supriya Sharma, bringing to you in each episode didactic nuggets so you can get inspired to sprinkle stardust in your company, your home, and the community on the whole. Today, Mandisa Makubalo, who is the CEO of Unlimited Experiences South Africa, the first 100% Black woman owned CX management consultancy in South Africa. That's amazing, Mandisa. She's been ranked among <laughs> the top 100 CX global thought leaders for 2021. She's also a book author, a community leader for the Women in CX Africa chapter, and serves on various boards across the country. Bringing to the table over two decades of versatile experience, she has been an awards judge and conference speaker on topics relating to customer experience and employee experience. Welcome to CXO, Mandisa. We are so glad to have you with us today. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored. I'm honored to be here. Thankful for the opportunity as well. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. Mandisa, you know, with the COVID happening and the number of online businesses increasing, the customers have had a really strong point in terms of the variety they can choose from. Okay. Now, tomorrow, if I want to buy a packet of orange juice, I can have 50 brands to choose from. As a customer, I have a lot of variety. I have a lot of choice, right? And that's what makes customers have a high end at times. And that's what makes customers also uh, a kind of threatening system for the companies because companies feel time and again, how can I keep my customers loyal? Because when customers have so many places to go, they might decide to leave me anytime. However, I think it's time to flip the question, just turn it around and let's ask ourselves as a company, how do we show loyalty to our customers? So for years, we've been talking about yeah. keeping customers loyal, which obviously increased during the pandemic. But then I want to flip the question today and I want to ask you as a company, as an organization, what are we doing or what should we be doing in order to show that loyalty or in order to present that loyalty towards our customers? I think the first thing that needs to happen is recognizing that there's a relationship between yourself and a customer that's undeniable there's a relationship that's being built and every relationship needs nurturing if there's no nurturing it is doomed to actually fail so that's quite important to recognize that they're not just a number they might be showing on our balance sheet in terms of our revenue they might be showing on our CSAT scores but ultimately these are people and we develop a relationship over the course of our of our, of, of our journey together, mm-hmm. you know, so recognizing that relationship and understanding who you are in your relationship with is also quite important. You know, it's the same as, let's say dating, you're dating somebody, you can't just date someone you don't know. Mm-hmm. So over a period of time, you begin to understand that person, what, they, what it is they like, um, where they would like to go to, what type of foods they like, what places they don't like, and that forms part of that relationship. 
you know, being patient with that individual. So what companies need to do from their end is to recognize that I'm in a relationship with this customer. And that relationship means that I need to be invested in understanding who this person is continuously in terms of what makes them happy, what doesn't make them happy, what they would prefer. Um, just having that ongoing communication with that individual is quite important. So customers communicate with brands in a different ways. They communicate with you in terms of buying your products. That's a form of communication. You get to see their spend and their behavior and what they like and what they don't like. So also they communicate with you digitally on social media as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you gotta understand as a company, if Mandisa is my customer, what does Mandisa do? Where does she spend most of the time? You know, understanding Mandisa in the social context, on social media, you know, following your customers, taking an interest in what your customers are concerned about, because that is all about nurturing that relationship. And if that relationship is nurtured in that way, and there's a very clear understanding in terms of this customer that I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a relationship with, everything else comes organically. You know, all the stuff that brands are spending so much time on right now can happen organically if that foundation is laid out and it's quite solid in terms of who are we in the relationship with and where are they, what do they like, what do they prefer, how do we keep them happy? And if that happens, everything else that companies are spending so much time on right now will not need to be done if the foundation in terms of the relationship building and acknowledging that there's a relationship that is taken care of, everything else just comes naturally. I mean, that's my perspective professionally. <laughs> you brought out a very relevant and a very deep phrase, Mandisa. You said it's like nurturing a relationship. That was really deep. And that makes me think in some way that um, companies or brands can be a partner yes. in a customer's life. They can be a real life partner for a customer, you know, because there's a growing trend these days for brands to look beyond the customer journey to see how they can add real value to the customer as an individual uh, for their product or service yes. to be helping remove the negative energy or create a positive energy in order to build that uh, stronger yes. and deeper emotional relationship with the customer. Take for example, your Samsung fridge or any other fridge that you're using, the refrigerator that you're using at home. So it lets yeah. you know which, which of the products are going out of date and uh, how can you save money or how can you reduce the food waste? So it has become such an integral part in the life of a customer. So what, what is your perspective yes. on that? Is there a negative attribute also, which is associated uh, with brands being such an integral part of the life of a customer or it's all the positive that you see there? No, there's positives and negatives. I think we've got to be realistic in saying that in any relationship, there's got to be positive and negatives. So that's quite natural. I think it's also important to embrace the negatives um, and not try to actually kill them because sometimes they need it. Because I think as a brand, if you get to a stage where there's no negatives, then you're never going to grow as a brand. So there's also so much value in those negatives because there you, be, I mean, I'm even talking about me as an individual. There are certain areas where I still need to develop as an individual and that's where the growth comes in. So having negatives as an organization or having detractors, let's look at your NPS scores, having detractors, it doesn't mean that everything is bad. 
it just gives you an opportunity for you to grow as a business, you know, and it also takes you away from a space of being arrogant as a business, because when you get to that stage, then you don't, you stop to serve customers because you hold this monopoly, you know, and you're the top in terms of your, in your industry and your rankings. And because of that, it keeps you in this arrogant space where you don't actually embrace and recognize the relationship. So I think it's quite important that for companies, don't look at negative as negative. It's, it's negative, yes, but it's an opportunity for you to grow and to expand and to start realizing areas of your business that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to recognize and realize had you not been made aware of those things. The positives are also quite good because it keeps you, everybody, I mean, we also love to be a pat on the back. We say, man, you're doing quite well. You know, naturally, as people, we love that. Yeah. And we tend to shy away from the negative. Yeah. But I've seen that there's so much growth from organizations that really have the intelligence internally to be able to take the negatives and to really use them to be strategic and to better serve their customers. You know, and also being open as a brand in your negatives. Don't hide your negatives. Openly talk about them. Allow yourself as a brand to be vulnerable in the eyes of your customers because that opens up opportunities for you to start co-designing and co-creating things with your, because they see that you're being real, you're being authentic. You know, you're not scared to say that we've made a mistake, mm. but now you're saying we've seen this, we've heard you. How can we co-design and co-create together for your good so that we can continue to bring the value that you need as a customer? We can continue to serve you better as a customer. So I think it depends on the lens that a company puts on when looking at the negatives. Exactly. Uh, just, just like in a relationship, when you get closer to a person, your expectations increase. And at times when those expectations are not met, you tend to get disheartened or you tend to get frustrated. And the, the same thing goes with our customers. And where you mentioned the companies need to be vulnerable in front of the customers in order to strengthen that relationship, in order to not hide the negatives or a negative experience that has taken place and to see it as an opportunity to grow and to rather foster the relationship that you're already having with the customer. So I would like to know from you, Mandisa, how can we start to loving our frustrated customers? <laughs> Um, I think it, it goes back to what I just said. Uh -huh. I remember back in the days when I was still in the contact center industry, way back, about 15 years ago, you know, I remember as a contact center agent, whenever there were negative feedback from a customer comment or verbatim on any of my scores, I was actually scared. And I think it's because of how it was positioned by the business. You know, when we see a detractor, everybody starts going crazy mm -hmm. in the whole business. You know, you get penalized, but actually there's so much commercial value out of those detractors. And it requires the organization to look at it in that sense, because only from, from that can we then grow as a business. When you start building the intelligence to be really able to understand what customer intelligence can I get from this information? You know, I find there's so much collective wisdom that sits in those verbatim that are negative, that are somehow perceived as negative. There's collective, it's a, it's a voice of the customer. Whether it is applauding you or highlighting you to an error that you might have made as a business, it is the voice of the customer treated as that. 
And when you see it as a voice, you then start embracing the fact that, like I said, we're in a relationship with this customer and we are going to make mistakes. We don't live to make mistakes, but we are going to make mistakes. And we've given the customer a platform to tell us when we do good and to tell us when we do bad. So when the bad does come, let us not look at ourselves as having failed, but understanding that we, we've opened up a platform and we said you have a freedom to voice your opinion and tell us what's happening. And when that comes, like in any relationship, how do we then take that information and use that to be better in our relationship and use that to really understand so where in our processes is the fragmentation? Where in our processes is the disconnect? Do we need to bring on additional training and um, resources and skill our people up? Do we need to transform into a different platform? Do we need to remap our processes? Do we need to just bring this unified understanding of the customer's end-to-end -end journey? Because ultimately all of those questions will really take you into a space where you start to grow as a business. Because once you begin to answer those questions, it's either you start having this unified view of the, it forces you, it's actually telling you, your, your, your whole business doesn't have an end-to-end -end or a unified view of the customer. As a result of this customer's negative comment, you are now having to go through a whole customer journey mapping process. And an outcome of that is that the entire company will now have a unified view of the customer. But had we not received this feedback, we wouldn't have been going through the process. You know, so those are, it's, those are, it's a typical example of the kind of maturity that needs to exist in the business when it comes to looking at the detractors, because it's a detractor, but it's actually an opportunity for you to better yourself as a business. Sure. And are you suggesting there where, that we should move from uh, personalization to hyper-personalization? Well, it depends in what context you mean, because at the end of the day, when presented with sets of data from customers, as much as it's called, well, I think sometimes the problem is in the names that we use. Yeah. I think because of so much jargon within the CX discipline itself within the corporate, mm -hmm. we sometimes lose the depth behind what we have in front of us. So a typical example is, let's say it's, I mean, I wrote an article recently about, maybe if we stop calling it data, mm -hmm. because it's data, yes, but it's the voice of the customer. Maybe if we move from such terminology, you know, then we start really understanding what do we have in front of us? And what kind of change, what kind of improvements, what kind of value can we then tap into as a result of embracing what we have? Mm -hmm. So personalization is quite important. I agree. It's quite important. Like I said at the beginning, I'm also a customer. As much as I'm a CX professional, but I'm a customer as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking as a professional and as a customer at the same time, because mm -hmm. the reality is that we're both customers in, in our own right. You know, and that level of personalization, it's something that we we want as human beings. You know, we go into a space. I know how I feel when I go into a shop and there's, there's this warm welcome. 
and they acknowledge me by name. It's not Kobalo, how are you? It's not Kobalo, are you going to have the same today? Or are you not going to have the same? Uh-huh. You know, that does something to me as a customer. And I will, I will and I, I'm going to say to people, like with doing my nails, I drive all the way to town because when I get there, they manage, you know, my, 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 my appointments for me. I don't have to worry about when I must go for a refill, when I must have a paint done. They manage all of that. I'm busy running my business, but they take care of all of that. So I know when my next appointment is due. I know what is due. They look at the colors that are out there. They oh. recommend my job and what I do. Oh. Ms. Makubano, we've got a nice new color for you because we saw you on social media. You were talking in this podcast <laughs> wearing a black top. And so that's the kind of stuff that they do. You know, and that's what we need from as, as customers. You know, so I don't mind paying extra and driving to town purely because of that experience that I get from them. I get there. They know what kind of water I want. They know that I love tea. So I'm offered a cup of tea. And when I leave, I don't have to worry about my next appointment. They manage all of that for me. Then I get to do what I want to do in terms of my business. But my beauty is taken care of. So I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was very interesting. I, I think I answer your question. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you just took us from, uh, again, being from a transactional economy to an experiential economy, because we all live for experiences, whether we acknowledge it or not, it is the experiences that matter at the end of the day. And that's what we remember. And we yeah. want our customers to have memorable experiences and vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Mandisa, for being with us. We really enjoyed our conversation with you. I'm grateful. I mean, I love this kind of open conversations. I think we wouldn't always have them, but I think there is so much needed, you know, to have an open conversation and just stop hiding behind numbers mm-hmm. and reports and dashboards, but really starting to talk about the real, the genuine things that happen on the ground that sometimes you don't talk about, like I said. Thanks for listening to CXO with your host, Supriya. I hope you enjoyed a dive into the nitty-gritty of customer experience. If you are committed to applying these ideas in the real world, stay tuned with me. Don't forget to check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.